Over the last two Sundays, over the next two Sundays, we're going to talk strategically and very practically about spiritual growth. As we have, our staff has been talking about disciple-making and spiritual growth, we've taken a look at the scriptures and we're exegeting or, or critically interpreting the scriptures regarding spiritual growth. And, and we've also looked at our culture and exegeted the culture in that way. And also we look at our church and, and see what's going on with our church in regarding, regarding spiritual growth. And it's a new year, and after working through a lot of the emotions of the holidays, I'm excited to look into the face of a Nova year and in the face of a, of a new year for all of us. Over the last few months, our pastoral staff has been having discussions and getting insight on being a church of disciple-makers, leading Nova to be a church that makes Jesus followers. And spiritual growth has been one of the primary topics as we've been asking, how does a Jesus follower grow spiritually? I mean, that's just a simple question, but we keep asking that, and we keep considering that, we keep thinking about it and praying about it, looking into the scriptures about it. Today, I don't have a, a single text. We're going to take a look at many scriptures, and, and so you can follow along in your notes today. But one of the things we've, we've looked at or thought about is some key ingredients of spiritual growth. Now, as I think about growing and ingredients, I think about that my wife is an excellent baker. And if you've never tried any of her baked goods, you're in for a real treat. Why don't you, uh, I've asked a couple people to come on up, and, and my wife has made, um, not for everybody, but uh, for a select few, her special chocolate chip cookies. And so go ahead and pass those, pass those around. Grab just one and, and pass that plate down. Take a bite of it, and then, and then and we can, well, he passed over Pastor Dave, and, and uh Dave, you, you, you get those regularly when I bring them in the office. You, go ahead and take a bite of that and, and tell me how that, how that really tastes. I mean, what that's like, because there's some key ingredients to chocolate chip cookies. What do you think over here? Good? You like chocolate? It's chocolatey. It's, it's crispy on the outside. It's, it's moist on the inside. How's that, Mike? What's that? Okay, you got a bad cookie. How, how about uh, <laughs> Ken? What's that? No chocolate. No chocolate over here. Okay, it's missing a key ingredient of chocolate chip cookies, right? And I think when we look at spiritual growth, I'm I'm sorry. We'll have to make up on with that. We'll we'll do that. Sorry. Over here, chocolatey. Yeah. Good. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the spiritual side. <laughs> Thank you, board member Atkins, for that. Uh, <laughs> as we think about spiritual growth, what's important is that we include all the ingredients of spiritual growth in a Jesus follower's life. And when we forget something, it happens more often than not. And it's a great way to begin the new year for the one who's new, new to the faith, just new to Nova. 
and you want to grow, this is a way, great way to begin the new year. And for the mature, and you want to grow even more, it, it's a great foundational examination of spiritual growth. So the first ingredient, the key ingredient to spiritual growth is this. It's the Holy Spirit gives us power and encouragement. Now, when you decide to follow Jesus Christ, and you cross the line of faith, and you trust him for your earthly and your eternal life, something happens when you do that. And God, the Holy Spirit, comes into your life and takes residence there. And for some, the changes are so radical. And for others, the, the, the change is, is just gradual. And, and all of this is because the Holy Spirit has entered your life and has begun to work giving us power to be obedient to God's word and encouragement to serve and to love others. Philippians chapter 2 says, For it is, it is God who works in you to will. That's he's giving you encouragement to will and to act. He's giving us power in order to fulfill his good purpose. So that's the first key ingredient. The second key ingredient is that the Bible provides us with guidance and perspective. The Bible provides us with all the guidance we need and the perspective in our life. Psalm 119 is a, is a psalm, a song all about the Word of God. But in verse 105 it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. The Bible gives us guidance in a time of darkness. And it's not always specifics though. But the principles and the attitudes, the perspectives and the values, and the relationships to live your life by. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything you need to know to live a godly life can be found in the scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter Chapter 3, the, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a young Timothy, and he says that all scriptures God breathed, and it's useful for teaching and, and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And because that we know this, that truth about the scriptures, we know that the truth about our scriptures equips us to live this godly life and because of our sort of our sophisticated and our academic culture tells us we need to be readers of the bible and it just keeps pounding that into us in church we did you read your bible did you read the scriptures today it's important but the truth is this that many of us aren't good readers so what do we do what about the dyslexic and the learning disabled? What about the guilt-ridden ones who hate to read? What, what, about, what about the busy? Or maybe if you're just a poor comprehender, you read, but you just forget as you read. What about the unmotivated and the, and the lazy? Are they just left out? You see, if you are one of these types or kinds or you struggle with those things, you still need to find a way to get the scriptures in you. Maybe it's listening. Maybe it's, it's listening to more teaching and getting taught. Maybe it's discussing the Bible. But you need to get the Bible in you because it's so important. It's the second key ingredient of spiritual growth. The third key ingredient is this. 
Close connections with other Christians provide us with support and accountability. Now, this is the often overlooked third ingredient for spiritual growth. This is the chocolate chips in the chocolate chip cookie that these people ate that didn't really get the chocolate. This is the the missing piece here. The writer of Hebrews says this in, in Hebrews chapter 10. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so he's saying, let's think about this. Nova, let's think about that. How do we, how do we spur one another on to, be, to love better and to do more good? How do we do that? Well, what's the conclusion? Is it read the Bible more? How do we, how do we provoke or spur one another on to just be better? Is it to study more? Is it to pray more? Is it to do more singing of worship songs? To hear more preaching? It's none of those. Verse 25, he says, let us consider how we may do these things. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now this phrase, meeting together, and so take your pen or your pencil and draw a box around that and your notes or underline that. That's key because their meeting together was not like Sunday worship at Nova at all. Their meeting together was a small group of people in a home where you didn't need a name tag, where people knew you and that you knew them. They were your spiritual family. This, this meeting was so different than Nova Sunday meetings. And as the worship staff, as the pa- as pastoral staff has been talking about disciple-making, the question we ask, it's a very simple question, but the question is, how can we make people grow spiritually? The answer to that is we can't. It's the Holy Spirit who does that work. And so we ask this question. Think about a time in your life. Think about a time in your life that you grew spiritually by leaps and bounds. Think about a time in your life that you grew spiritually mature by just in, in, in incredible amounts, leaps and bounds. And then what were the circumstances around that time? What was going on in your life? For most of us, spiritual growth doesn't happen in sort of a A, B, C, D, E sort of a way. Or in some linear pattern, like you take class one and then you take class two, take class three, and then, wow, you graduated. You're, you're righteous now. You're all set. It happens through the power and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And for Nova, the way we facilitate spiritual growth is that we make Jesus followers through equipping people with the instruction of the Word of God and then helping them to connect into healthy Christian relationships. These three ingredients are, are, are key for spiritual growth. Now, here's the question, though, because we got number one, the Holy Spirit, we need that. We got number two, we teach the Bible, instruction of the Word of God, important. Number three, not so good at. So why do we, not just Nova, but the American church, the Western church, often ignore or forget the third ingredient? I think it has a lot to do with culture, a, a, a Western Christian American culture. Why do we often ignore this third ingredient? Well, there's a lot of different reasons, but let's just take a look at two today. The first is this. We think Christianity is just about me and God. That's what 
in, in, in the American culture, we just think Christianity is just about me and God. There's such a strong spirit of American individualism that we assume that Christianity is primarily about just me and God, and that's it. And when we think about the most spiritual people that we know in our lives, just think about who is the most spiritual person that you know in your life. We often think of that person as, oh, they read so much Bible. They're always studying the scriptures. They pray for hours. They're so spiritual. You look at their Bible, it's all worn out and marked up, and you go, ah, that person, that spiritual maturity. Or they pray for hours. Their knees are all scarred up, you know, and, and, uh, and the, we just think that. But spiritual maturity is best seen by obedience to God and love for others. Jesus said it this way. He said in Matthew chapter 22, someone came and said, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. He said, Love your neighbor as yourself. And then that person said, Well, then who's my neighbor? If I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, who's, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells them the story of the Good Samaritan illustrating that we need to love others, especially those who are very different than us, especially those that we really don't like all that much. And these two commandments sum up what it means to be obedient to God. Another reason why we ignore the third ingredient is this. Our culture points us to this idea. We go to church rather than be the church. Oh, us Americans, we're in trouble. We go to church rather than be the church. Our American culture confuses going to church with being the church. And as we think about Hebrews chapter 10, we go back to that in verse 24. We read meeting together, that phrase that you underlined or drew a box around or circled. And we think of Sunday morning at 9.30. Look at all of you. You're sitting and you're facing me to the front. Singing along with a band. It's facing one way. Following a prayer learning from a teacher. And if that's all we think a church meeting is, we've missed it. Listen to the instruction the Apostle Paul gives to one of his churches. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Now, whether you go to a church of 50 people or less, or 5,000 or more, that is hard to do. Wouldn't you agree? And somewhere along the way, the American Christianity believed that the big crowd was enough. And our culture has ignored the vitally important third ingredient of spiritual growth, which is connecting deeply with other Christians. So let's do this. Let's talk about why the third ingredient is so important. The first reason is this, that we live better when someone else is watching. It's true. We live better when someone else is watching. In crowded church settings like this, there's a great deal of anonymity. Even in smaller churches, people might know your name, but they really don't know you. And some of you like anonymity. You know, I, I respect your choice. You're, in America, it's 
a lot about right to privacy, isn't it? So we, we respect that as Americans. However, it's true that we live better when someone else is watching. Some of you business travelers or some of you just travelers when you fly into an airport with a big city and all the roads that lead into that airport and out, to the, out, out away from that airport, you always see these gentlemen's clubs, don't you? You ever wonder why those gentlemen's clubs are all surrounding big city airports? Or if you live in a small town and you've ever been to a small town just outside the city limit, there's always people whispering about that big old house that's really a brothel on the outside of the city limits. You see, the anonymity gives us the illusion that no one's watching. And I could do things that I wouldn't do when others are watching. Ephesians chapter 5, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Some of you know, and I've, I've shared this before, that, that one of the things that I do to serve our denomination is I assess church planters. I assess um, uh, couples that want to plant a church in the western United States in our denomination. And, and we, I assemble a team, and we have so many things that we go over. It's about a six- or seven-hour assessment interview. It's a brutal day for, these, for this couple. And we ask all kinds of questions about their life and their character. And one of the questions that I ask is this. I say, pastors typically, church planters, typically, typically get tempted in four areas. So the guy's there, and his wife is right next to him, and there's a team of assessors. And I look right at him, right into his eyes. And I say, you know, church planters typically get tempted in four different areas. Money, sex, power, or pride. Name one of those areas and tell me what you're doing to deal with it. And if you can't articulate an honest answer to that question, you don't pass. And consider trying to answer that question with your wife sitting right next to you. We want to work with pastors and church planters who have other sets of eyes on their lives because you're only as sick as your secrets. Why the third greeting is so important, we live better when someone else is watching. The second reason it's so important is that the Bible instructs us in how we are to live life with one another. The Bible makes it very, very clear on how we're to live our lives with one another. Now, last summer, we taught through a sermon series entitled One for All, All for One, and we, we looked at the phrases of, that were one another's of the Bible. The phrase is used 58 times in the New Testament, and these two words give us instruction as to how we're to be in relationship with one another. It's very interesting in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, here's one of them. It says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, 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 get this. You don't really have to bear with one another on a Sunday morning, do you? I mean, if you're sitting down and somebody sits next to you, in front of you, or in back of you, and they're irritating you, whatever they're, however way they're irritating you, you know, they sing off key, they talk incessantly during the sermon, you know, all, all, all sorts of things. They irritate you. What do you do? Well, you just get up and you move to the other side of the room, right? 
Or maybe you just decide, I'm not coming back to that church. There's irritating people in that church. I'm going to another church. And so we don't really bear with one another on a Sunday morning. So many of us live in that zone where if someone irritates you, you just get up and you move away. We're to bear with one another. Here's another one, Galatians chapter 6. It says, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Do you have this type of close connection with someone in your life? And it's not just your spouse and not just your family. I hope you have that with your spouse and family. But I believe this is talking about beyond that. Does someone know what's burdening you right now? And do you know what's burdening other people right now? Some people think that burden, uh, to, to share another, another's burden is to just give money to it, right? A project, a ministry, a mission, whatever. If you want to grow, it'll cost you more than just throwing money at it. Here's another one, last one, James chapter 5. This is a tough one. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Who am I confessing my sin to? Do you have anybody in your life? Even in a smaller church, who do I confess my sins to? We have all sorts of different ways that we think about this. Not just to a church leader or to a pastor or to, to a priest. You know what the, 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 where people do this the most in our culture today? psychologist or counselor we pay him walk in his office sit down and say oh i just need to unburden myself and tell all your sins all your problems too but who am i connected with that i can have grown to trust that i can be real with honest with and i know that person will pray for me the third ingredient is so important it's we live better when someone else is watching the bible instructs us on how to, we're to live life with one another. And the third is this. If no one knows me, I can't grow. I can't mature. If no one knows me, I can't. I'm not going to grow. I'm capped off. I'm not going to grow spiritually. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, a classic verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's a word picture. It's, it's easy to figure out. If you need to sharpen a knife... You need another knife or a, a stone or something, another piece of iron to sharpen that thing with. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is... Go ahead, you could say it in church. Stupid, yeah. I said that one time in a sermon, and an old lady came up to me afterwards. She was so mad at me. Don't you ever say stupid in church. So I needed to have you say it. So anyways... Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, Grandma. Uh, that, that's <laughs> Whoever hates correction is stupid. Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to grow? Don't be stupid. Do you have the connections with other Christians who know you and, and you want to be, you want to know them? People who love you and, and people that you could love to be everything God wants Nova Community Church to be. We need to be a church that makes Jesus followers. That's us. 
And our hope in 2015 is to continue to grow larger, reaching more people in the South Bay, and then to grow smaller by helping Christians make connections with others. Now, in a couple weeks, we're going to start our new small group season. And we're launching new groups, maybe up to five new small groups, maybe more. And many of our groups have already reached capacity. And there are some that are still recruiting people. Today, not on the plaza, but in here, Dave, Pastor Dave's going to have a table. Where are you going to be, Dave? Back, back over here. If you want to be part of a small group where you can make these sorts of connections, where you can fulfill that third ingredient in your life, Pastor Dave will be there. He'll, he'll talk to you about a small group. Our small groups, some meet weekly, some meet every other week, some meet three times a month, some, some meet for dinner. Those are the ones to go to, the, the ones that meet for dinner. <laughs> but see Dave, and, and you know, some of you say, you know, I work a weird schedule, can I just get together with two or three people and go to Starbucks and we'll, 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 we'll get in each other's lives and we'll be known by each other and pray for one another? Yes. The answer is yes. See Dave if you want to start a group. Dave is going to equip you, give you some training, give you everything you need. If you say, I want to start a group. I'm going to host a group. I want to do this. Dave's your man, and he'll help you with that. The bottom line is this. Whether you're in a Nova small group or not, what I desire from you as a Jesus follower is that you have all three ingredients. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and close connections with other Christians. Just make sure you're not missing an ingredient to spiritual growth. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer.